day. And thanks for checking in on the latest on what's going on at Journey Church. Our prayer is that today's teaching will inspire you and ultimately draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus. So no matter what you're doing, relax and enjoy this next message. And so we've been in a series called Now or Never. And what we've been talking about is that, you know, the term now or never that we've used it is a sense of urgency. You know, it's an opportunity that is here now and you have to decide to take it or never. Right. And so week one, I just want to recap a little bit with you. Week one uh, is about the kingdom of God. You know, we see the we see the term kingdom of God in the Bible all the time. And we really don't know what it means. And it actually means three different things. But one of the things we've been honing in is how do we are we responsible at at all by any means to make the kingdom of God be here on earth? And the answer to that is yes, God begins to work through you in your heart first, in your family, in your home, in your own spirit to get rid of that anger, to get rid of that bitterness so that you can be a light into the world. So when we're talking about being a light of the world, we're not just, we're not just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're saying, hey, this is what it's like to have a relationship to draw closer to Jesus. And through that, by using the gifts that God has given us, whether you think you have one or not, we begin to build the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is God obviously being able to be sovereign and to reign over the earth. That's one option. And then the second one is him working through us to bring, right, the gospel of Jesus Christ here to us now. And then obviously he's going to come back for us and set up camp for quite some time. That's the third. So it's all the kingdom of heaven. It's all the kingdom of God. But we see it all the time. And we never associate the terms now or never because we never really put the, put the two together. Now or never is a, cert, a sense of urgency. If we don't do what we're supposed to right now, it could be never. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow on any level, on any terms. And you may have lived every day up to this point knowing that tomorrow is going to come until it doesn't. And so we're talking about now or never. What is our obligation as believers? What is our responsibility? Are we actually held accountable at any cost? When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the answer is yes, it's now or never. We have to decide. We just can't continue to take days and say, well, we're a church, we're believers, we call ourselves that, and do nothing about it. So the first week, you know, we're, we're talking, we're, we're putting the two together. The kingdom of God is, in fact, now or never, that the, that, that the Lord is working through us. And so Jesus, never caught off guard, gets questioned about this. So in Luke 17, 20, which is what was kind of like beginning to set the tone of this series, the Pharisees, they come up and they ask Jesus, they say, hey, listen, big man, okay, another day on the streets, we've got nothing better to do because everything you're telling us, everything you're telling the people is actually going to make our wallets a little bit lighter. You're also calling us a liar. You don't actually say it sometimes. Well, actually, you kind of do. You know, you called me a viper one time. That hurt my feelings a little bit. But let's keep going with this a little bit. What is it that you're saying? I want to disprove what you're saying today. So, Jesus, friend, big guy, where is this kingdom of heaven that you talk about? And he says, well, it's, it's, it's not just, you can't just walk in and say it's here or it's there. He says, it's among you already. And they're like, among you. And different translations say it's within you. And this is how we know that the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God begins to work through you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, as it begins to use you and utilize you, you begin to bring what God wants to do on earth now through you. You are the vessel, right? So I don't want to, I don't want to like make ourselves feel like we're super important because at the end of the day, God doesn't need us, but he loves us. And so he chooses to use us. But if you say no to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you say no to, you know, out of disobedience, God's like, that's great. I'll always be here. But as long as you don't want to be used, I'm not going to force you to be used. I'm going to go use somebody else. So we are, in fact, able and capable of bringing the gospel, of bringing the kingdom of heaven through us to earth right now. So the big idea was this, right? So now that we had established that the kingdom of heaven comes through us, that it's our responsibility, we're held accountable for that. The question you have to ask yourself is, what are you doing with it? 
What are you doing with it? And so as we were looking in those verses, we were kind of dissecting this a little bit. The problem with people who were claiming to be believers, right, were claiming to be Christians, they were keeping what God had given them for themselves. We call that hoarding. Believers sometimes hoard what God has given them in fear that it won't be enough. You know how that is. When God calls you to do something, what? It makes you what? It makes you nervous. So we say, okay, Lord, well, you're asking me to have faith that you're actually going to deliver, like you always have. You've never made a mistake, but I'm just nervous that this is going to be the first time ever, right? So I don't want to take that first step of action, right? Because that would actually be faith. That first step is actually called faith. I don't know if I really want to do that. And so what we end up doing is we just sit here and we just say, well, Lord, I need a better job. I need better friends. I need this. I need this. I need this. And I want, I want, I want, I want. And there's actually nothing wrong with actually asking God for, for things. I don't, don't, don't ever be upset about that. Don't ever be sad about that. Don't ever think, oh, well, God just doesn't have time for me. God just doesn't think that I should really deserve that. You let God determine that, okay? But here's the thing. What happens is, is when we when we don't take that step, and we, but we keep asking, I need better friends, I need more money, I need, I need this, I need this, and God says, okay, cool, here you go. And then he says, but now I need you to do something with it. And we say, well, I don't know about that. It's called hoarding. And what, and what the scriptures begin to say is, is that when we hoard what God has given us, in every sense of the word, that the people that are longing to be the recipients of what we were going to do for them, they're crying out, screaming, we have been robbed. We have been robbed. We've been robbed. Something is not coming. Somebody is keeping something from me. I've asked the Lord to maybe know about the gospel, to know about redemption, to know about sanctification, to know about justification. I'm, I'm so desperate to draw closer to Jesus, or maybe I don't even know Jesus, and that person seems to have it all, but they won't give me anything. And I'm not talking about entitlement. I'm talking about just simply presenting, bringing the, the, the kingdom of heaven to earth, and we hoard it. And what should we be doing? Well, one, are we held accountable for this someday? We are. You, not, you, sh you should know that. As, as, as your pastor, I want you to know what we're held accountable for and what we're not. We will be held accountable for what God has given us during this life and what we've done with it. Okay, and the second thing is, is okay, Ryan, maybe I have been hoarding. Maybe I have been doing this stuff. What should I be, how should I begin to pray about this? How should I begin to like, kind of like administrate what I have? Uh, you should pray for an opportunity to serve on any level, small or big. If there is a place in your life, that there is a need that you can meet, whether you think you're good at it or not, you should say, what can I do to serve? The church is here for the community. The community is not here for the church, right? So you have that mentality. What can I do for the people? What can I do for the church? What can I do for the community? Not what can the community do for me? Not what can the church do for me? We become consumers, believing consumers. Well, Jesus didn't give me this, so I'm not going to do this. That's a consumer me mentality. We don't want to do that, right? We don't want to do that. The second big idea that we were talking about week two was, are we, in fact, living and leading a life worthy to the calling? You've been called. Paul talks about this, right? Ephesians 4.1. Therefore, he, you know, he's talking about his dedication, his service to the Lord. I'm a prisoner for serving. I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. I love serving. I beg you, right? He's pleading in his letter. I beg you to lead a life worthy. If you're taking notes or you have your Bible open or you're in your app, write down or highlight or underline the word worthy. Worthy of your calling. Your calling. Not all of our calling. Your calling. You have specifically been called to do something in your life that nobody else can do. Do you know that? Because if that's not the case, then he would have made two of somebody else and he didn't. He made you. Wonderfully. Fearfully. Made. Translates to the word awesome. Did you know that? 
Every life matters. Every person matters. So the question is, is what are we doing about it? Are we living a life worthy? Well, the worthy, worthy means to reflect, right? Am I, living, am, I, am, I, am, am I worthy of the job that I'm at? Okay, are you reflecting the values, the ethics, the, the, the beliefs of what they stand for? And if the answer is yes, then yeah. But if you're saying, well, you know, I just, I don't. I'm late. I don't really care about what I'm doing. I just go for the paycheck. Then you're not worthy to be at that job. It's nothing personal. You're just not worthy to be there. And so this is what Paul is saying. Are you worthy? Are you living your calling that... Are you worthy of what you've been asked to do? Well, the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we reflecting what God has asked? Are we reflecting God's characteristics? Are we reflecting God at any point in our life as we do this? Or are we just hoarding everything, but we continue to ask and ask? We just attend. We just kind of like, you know, go around a little bit. There's no fruit to be bared. Are we living and leading a life worthy of the calling of God? A calling. Now, this is interesting because sometimes we read scriptures in the Bible and we don't know what they mean. All right, but, we, but we go around, we start, we start quoting them, and we're just like, oh, well, since I don't really know what that means, this is what I think it means, I'm just going to use this however I want to, right? The word calling in this, in, in this verse right here is, in fact, the word gospel. And gospel, in this sense, is the word redemptive, redemption, okay? Sometimes as believers, and I'm sure you've never done this, but I'll just use my personal self. This is what I've done in the past. Is I have accidentally judged people not on the redemption side of the gospel, but on the sanctification side. Right? So when somebody, anybody in my life who claims to be a believer is living anything far but a believer, instead of preaching the gospel that they've been redeemed, we jump straight to sanctification that just says, well, this is the process where you're supposed to draw close to the Lord, and you're not. So now I'm going to judge you for it. That's not what this verse is saying. This verse is strictly talking about being saved from sin. That is your calling as a believer today is to preach that people can be saved from sin. Leave the justification, leave the sanctification alone a little bit until you know what you're talking about. So often we end up judging people based on their appearance or what they do and what they don't do, and we know nothing about what's going on in their life, and instead of preaching that they can be saved from their sins, we just say, oh, well, that person, that person, that person couldn't possibly know Jesus if it bit them right in the butt, right? We, we do that sometimes. How do you do this? What are two characteristics that you have to endure, that you have to begin to pursue in order to be an effective kingdom builder? You have to be meek, and you have to simply be kind. And we are not those things sometimes. Meekness is being humble, gentle, patient, ready to accept, being submissive to the Lord. Kindness is simply being generous and considerate. If you are not those things, if we as a church, as a body of believers, are not those things, we will not be effective kingdom builders. And we had a whole series called My Hot Mess, which was deciding between grace and truth and how to put the two together, right? And if you missed that, you can catch that on the new podcast. You're welcome, okay? But here's the thing, okay? So we're talking a little bit about this. So maybe today you're just like, hey, listen, I am a kingdom builder. I know what I know. And I'm not hoarding. I'm not hoarding. I am reflecting God. I am doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I am a generous person with my time, with my words, with my money, with my resources, with my friends. I give to people because God has given them to me. Well, I have great news for you. Just some encouragement. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, hey, listen, no, I'm not there. But I'm learning. Awesome. I have some great encouragement for you as well. Here is how we become 
what we're supposed to be. I want to direct your attention to Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, and I want to take a little bit of time to unpack this verse because there's so much in this, right? So this is, this is that fancy word, right, called hermeneutics. We're going to take this verse, we're going to break it down. I want you to circle, I want you to highlight, I want you to write, I want you to, I want you to type, whatever the case may be. There are certain words in this on how to be an effective kingdom builder. I'm going to tell you how to do it today. So how do we be an effective kingdom builder? How do we not hoard? How do we, how do we bring the kingdom of God through us to earth today, right? Always be humble. That sounds like meekness a little bit, doesn't it? Always be gentle. Holy smokes, that sounds like kindness. Okay, that's because it is. Now, this is where, right, everyone, everyone just go ahead and look at your toes. Just look at your toes. Just look at your toes. Does anyone have, like, really ugly toes or beautiful toes? I know people with, like, really beautiful toes and super ugly toes. And it doesn't matter if you have ugly or beautiful toes today. Mine are really ugly, okay? You'll never see me in flip-flops. I mean, it looks like the werewolf has, like, come out of blunt. Anyways, so look at your toes and just admit to yourself right now that they're probably going to get stepped on just a little bit because these are things that we are not doing that the Lord has asked us to do, and it's okay. It's okay. Have this be an encouragement today. Don't feel like, oh, man, I'm being condemned, right? Always be humble and always be gentle. Okay, I don't want to do any of those things, but apparently this is what we have to do. Be patient, does anyone have a problem with patience? Yes. How many of you would rather just like attack a problem than to just like back up a little bit? Be patient with each other. Let's say that as a church. Ready? Be patient with each other. It gets worse. Making allowances, making space, knowing that they're going to fail you. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your, and this is going to be the big word of the day that we throw around all the time and we have no idea what it means, love. Because of your love. Don't even try to define love because we can't do it. Make every, holy smokes, right? Can you just feel yourself being stretched and like anxiety right now? Make every effort. Go out of your way. Go ahead and give them forgiveness. Make an allowance for them, right? Give them time and space to fail you. That's the weirdest thing. That's why Jesus came and really messed things up for us. We're going to give people time and space to fail us. And at the end of the day, we're going to say, I love you. I forgive you. And I want you to win. This is what we have to do. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. United means together for a common purpose. I want you to hear that. United means together for a common purpose. So as a church, when I say the word church, I'm talking about the body of believers. As a church, when there are flaws and there are a lot of them and there are faults, you need to go ahead and say, but this is for the kingdom. This is for the community. This is so that we, re so that we are worthy. We reflect the characteristics of God. Because if we just go out and we just say, oh, that person, that offended me. I, don't, I can't work with that person. Wow. That's everything that's not of God. And yet we say, but I'm a believer. I'm faithful. And you should see me give. No, I'm just saying, whatever the case may be, though, we, we, we walk around sometimes and we do that, right? Make every effort to keep yourselves united together for a common purpose in the spirit. Here's another big word. Binding, right? Binding, binding, binding. Anyone self-conscious? Anyone claustrophobic a little bit? I'm very, I can't stand to be in tight spaces. But this is what I say, binding yourselves, right? Together, together with peace. Peace is to live 
in harmony. Anytime you have an issue with another believer, this is the verse you should go to. And if you can check off yes to every one of these things and you're still mad, then congratulations. You have officially been the first one to debunk the Bible because you won't be able to do it. For there is one body. There is two spirits. Nope, not two, just one. Just as you've been called to two glorious hopes. Nope, just one glorious hope for the future. Do you know what glorious hope is? It's the return of Jesus. As you're reading this, we are staying and sticking together and building the kingdom of God now because we are awaiting our Messiah. We're awaiting our risen Savior and King. We're going to be celebrating that idea, that whole notion next month because without the risen part of the whole story, there's no reason to come to church. He just would have been a really cool guy who did some really cool things and died. And that would be it, but that's not it, right? We're awaiting our glorious hope that's the coming of Jesus for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. We've heard one five times in this verse. Whoever is over all, in all, and living through all. Are you a kingdom builder? How do you work with people? This is how you do it. This is how you keep a marriage together, right? This is how you do it. And so we come to this one word that's beginning to pop up time and time again. And it's the word love. What does all of this look like when we're binding together, when we're forgiving each other, when we're making allowances for one another, right? And we're doing this as one spirit with one God for one glorious hope. What is all that? What, 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 what do we categorize all that? What, what do we put the bow on, the box? We had to put it all in a box and put a ribbon on it. What does it look like? It's the word love. So when you say, I love you, this is what you're saying. I'm going to be humble with you. I'm going to be gentle with you. I'm going to be meek with you. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to make allowances for you. And when you still disappoint me on top of that, even when I knew it was coming, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to continue to do this because we're in this together as one. We're being bound together. We're, we're binding for one glorious hope. The only thing that matters is the return of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? That's what we're here for. And we want to be worthy of that calling. We want to because we will be held accountable for it. So what is all that come in one circle? What's that one thing called? It's called love. This is honestly, with the most Christ-centered um, authentic, uh, authenticness, this is what it's called. It's called love. Because you can't love God and not love his children. You can't claim to love God today and not love people. You can't do that. And we try to do that all the time. You can give a gift and not love a person. But if you love a person, you will find yourself giving to that person all the time. You will, you will from the inside out, Christianity is an inside out behavior faith. You will find yourself becoming more generous. You'll find yourself actually finding joy. Putting other people uh, first and yourself second. These are the things that will just naturally come when we begin to understand what it truly means to be a kingdom builder. And, you know, so a year ago, a little over a year ago, we said we're going to do kingdom builders. We're going to give a dollar a day. We're going to have a dollar a day to support missionaries, to support the renovations of the things, to support our children. We're going we're gonna to do this so that the community has a place to go to and can call home. And yeah, along the way, it can be very tiring. And we remind ourselves why we're really doing this at the end of the day. Is it for the lights? It's not. Is it for the carpet? It's really not. Is it for the walls? No, we could sell this building at any time. We do this so that somebody may say, hey, listen, man, 
that seems like a place that maybe I could find somebody that might love me. Maybe a place I could hear. Maybe a place I could sing. Maybe I could, a place I could put my kids. We draw closer to Jesus. Yes. And it took a dollar a day to move that. And I love that. And we're not following that up with any money thing. That We're not going that direction. Just are we, are we building the kingdom in every aspect of our lives? Because we'll become more generous. We'll become easier to work with. We'll put other people first and ourselves second. And we'll focus on the big picture. And we'll ultimately bring joy because only joy is found in Jesus. Remember, joy is internal and joy is eternal. Okay? Joy is truly inside the emotion that stays with you forever. Or actually more and more the gift. It's not really an emotion. It's a gift. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Right? To love the way that Ephesians 4, 2 through 6 is saying. To love one another. How, why, why do we do this and where does this come from? For love comes from God. Because we've read 1 John 4 through 7 our whole lives. We know this verse. But do we really know what the word love means? Because we're going to start seeing love one, two, three, four, five times. Right? So we have one. We, we, we have the word one in Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, five times. We have the word love in 1 John 4, 7 through 8, five times. I'm not saying it's like a Da Vinci Code thing. I'm just saying I think Jesus knew better. And I, th- I, I think he knew what we were going to be reading. And he knew that being together as one is going to be really important. And how we do it is going to be also very important. It's going to be love. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone that has no idea what love is and doesn't know how to do it doesn't know God. How often do we walk around as believers claiming we want to be kingdom builders, claiming we want to love people, and we're the meanest person out there? Sharing no joy, we're completely hostile, we're angry, we're bitter. 15, 10, 5, 20 years ago, something terrible came in our lives, and we never gave life a second chance because where was God? And now this is just who I am. I'm only doing this so I can see Jesus face to face. Man, talk about not knowing joy, not having any love, and truly not knowing who your father is. He's God to you. He's not your Abba father. He's not your daddy. There's no relationship there. You're missing so much. And I want you to know who your father is. Dear friends, Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We work so hard as Christians to disprove this verse. We work so hard day and night to make this verse not true. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live how I want to live. This has just been my upbringing. This is my DNA. This has been my atmosphere. You should have seen what my parents did to me. You should have seen what my siblings did to me. And I'm a believer, but this is just how I am. And God says, I do not accept that. God's going to accept me for who I am. Uh, Yes, to save your soul with redemption. And now there's justification. Now there's sanctification. Now we're going to begin to draw closer to Jesus. And you will have no choice but to change. And I mean that in a good way. When you draw close to Jesus... You will change as a person. You will change as a person for the best, for the good. But we work so hard to disprove this. I just want to do me and live me and be me. And I want to claim to be a believer. God says, sorry, that's, that's, not, how, that's, that's not how we roll. That's not how it is. Well, we, one of the big questions I want to ask you today, or I want to leave you with, right, is maybe we're not hoarding the things God has given us. 
Maybe we're super generous. Maybe we give a lot. Maybe we're actually hoarding all the sin that's happened to us and we won't let it go. Maybe we're, maybe, maybe we're not hoarding our generosity. Maybe we're hoarding the fact that we don't want to change. Maybe we're hoarding a sin that we won't let go. Maybe we're hoarding bitterness. Maybe we're hoarding always being offended. Maybe we're hoarding a lot of things and we just don't want to change. Maybe we're just hoarding and we never really knew it. We thought we were only hoarding the things that God has given us when really there is so much that God gives us and we need to let go. Maybe you just not only need to let go of what God's given you, maybe you need to let go of some of that sin where God has came and saved you by grace and let that go. Maybe, maybe you have been called to be a worthy, phenomenal kingdom builder on a different kind of platform, and you're not there because you're holding on to that anxiety that God has asked you to give up years ago, that depression of something that you cannot change at all, that, that fact that you're easily offended at absolutely everything, and if you don't get your way, then you're just going to shut people off, and you're going to walk into buildings, and you're not going to speak to people. We, no, 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 no. There's no joy there. There's no joy in that. When we become... When we begin to draw closer to Jesus, we will inadvertently change from the inside out. So the big question is this, what's your love language? What's your love language today? Do you even know how you love? Sometimes we don't. Maybe the better question is, is uh, what, what kind of love is it that God talks about? Well, it's, it's unconditional love. It's agape love. All right, we see that in the Hebrew text, right? The kind of love that we're talking about, all these loves, right? Loves five times in First John and how we're binding together in Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, right? It's one. What kind of love is that? That's unconditional love. Well, sometimes we kind of leave the conversation at just unconditional love. Let me tell you what unconditional love. It's God's love for you, not based on feelings or emotions. Ooh. Can you love somebody without putting your feelings and emotions into that? Maybe not. Maybe that's why the only reason, the only unconditional love in the entire universe is only from God. Can you and I give unconditional love? I don't think we really can. I think we'd be sending this, because that would make us perfect to a certain degree. Now, it just, what, what this means, though, is that God is not going to fall out of love with you. He doesn't base his love on you based on feelings and emotions, and we base our love on feelings and emotions all the time. And maybe we can give unconditional love out. You, you'll still be hurt. You'll still be failed. You'll still be disappointed. And at the end of the day, if you can just say, Lord, I don't want anything to do with that person moving forward, right? They're toxic. They're not ready for, to be in my life. But you can still love them and just say, God, just be with them. I pray over them. You stay somewhat in touch. You can always love somebody that should not be in your life. It's, it's, it, it, it's easier said than done, and, and I understand that. But we do that sometimes. Let me tell you what love is. Let me tell you what love is. Band, would you go ahead and join me? What happens when true, authentic, Christ-centered love begins to come back into your life? Love brings back hope. Maybe you're in need of that today. Maybe you are not dreaming and vision casting about tomorrow in your life. Maybe you're just like, mm, here I am, this is it. Love brings back hope. Love brings back restoration. Maybe you have a relationship or a friendship or something that you feel like is lost forever. Or maybe it's, 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 it's the fact that you think you'll never have joy again, right? Love brings back restoration. When we come together as kingdom builders, as believers in the church, we bind ourselves together. We say we are one. We're in it to win it because it's now or never. If we don't do this now, it's never going to happen. We are the church. We are the light on the hill right? We're, we're, we are the light on the hill. Love brings things back to life. Maybe there's some things in your life that you thought are absolutely dead today. Love can bring that back. Unconditional love. And if we can begin to understand our Heavenly Father, we will be able to reflect and be worthy of the calling that God has asked us to be today.